This is the J.P. Maroney Audio Vault. So what I wanted to talk about in this was mistakes that business owners or entrepreneurs make. And there's a lot. Like, I've been building companies for almost 30 years now, and there's a lot of mistakes that you can make. I often tell people that the things that I know today are things that I hammered out on the anvil of experience, AKA went out and skinned my shins and you know got lots of bruises and cuts and all that, trying to figure stuff out for myself. I didn't go to business school, I got out of high school, I graduated, I spent the summer traveling with my, my cousin and then I went right into business. And so uh, worked with another guy, started my own company, had things going. So it was like all the way from the beginning, even back in high school, it was always like a move towards starting a business. And so as I've gone through these mistakes over the years, and some of them have been really expensive and costly, some of them have been emotionally costly and taxing, and I wanted to talk a little bit about those, hopefully to help other business owners and entrepreneurs, whether they've been building a business for many years and they're just looking for to get to that next level or next edge, or if they're just now thinking about starting their first business, whatever they're at in between, to be able to help them maybe avoid some of those same mistakes. Um, you know, a lot of people have heard me talk about my mission statement, which is make money, make memories, make a difference. Make a difference. Part of that is giving back and sharing a legacy of lessons learned along the way and being able to help other entrepreneurs avoid that. But there was something I heard years ago, and I don't even remember who originally maybe said this, but that there's like three kind of people in this world, that you're either stupid, smart, or successful. And the definition is stupid people never learn from their own mistakes. Smart people do, but successful people learn from the mistakes of others. And I think if, if I could say anything about this video or this content and learning from it is at least if you can take away the value of this of not making these same mistakes, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, a lot of anguish, and, and possibly a lot of money. Yeah, so number one is not investing in customer acquisition. And the real word is investing. The cool thing about going out and investing money in advertising or marketing that brings in a customer or a client is if you're doing it right, it means it truly is an investment. And that means that you're putting a dollar in and you're getting something more than a dollar back out in some period of time. And that might be in the first day, week, month, etc. But if you know the value, and that's the key, if you know the value of a customer or a client, then you can know what you can invest in getting them. We have formulas that we go over in this, and in fact, maybe we could put together a worksheet or something to give folks. But we have formulas that we look at what is the lifetime value of a client over their entire lifetime, an average client. So let's say that the average client does business with you for five years. Let's just make up some numbers. The average customer does business with you for five years on average, and on average they spend $1,000 a year. So their average lifetime value is what? $5,000, right? So that's like a simple number. So, but you would know that if, if, now if you've got product costs, let's say that you have 50% gross margin, so half of that is gross profit, so you got a $2,500 gross profit, you would know that you could invest up to $2,500 getting a client before you start to go in the hole, in, in general terms. And so when we're talking to entrepreneurs or business owners, we're saying, look, look at client acquisition as if it is an investment. If you were Warren Buffett or some other kind of investor out there and you're saying, okay, I know I've got a dollar, I've got to put it to work and that dollar has to sort of like Red Rover, bring some friends back with it. So something more than a dollar. That means that in your advertising and marketing, you're investing to get a client that is worth more than you spent 
to get them. So if you kind of break it down and look at the formulas for lead generation and say, okay, I know that I need to talk to 10 people that are interested, that have a problem, and that are my ideal prospects before I get a client. And I know that, let's say, let's take that $2,500 scenario. I know that my gross margin on a new client over their lifetime is $2,500. So in theory, I could spend that, but I don't want to. Let's say that I want to try to spend $500 or half of that first year of purchase getting a client. So let's call it $500 is your acceptable CPA or cost per acquisition of a new client. If you take that $500 and then say, well, I need to talk to 10 people to be able to get a, a client, well, then your lead cost, whether you like it or not, your lead cost or, or allowable lead cost would be 50 bucks, right? So 500 divided by that 10 number. But what that does is it makes you really powerful because then you can go out there and say, okay, I know I can invest $50 generating a lead. And if I'm advertising in YouTube or Facebook, or if you're coming to a company like Digital Ventures, our arm, the digital marketing arm that generates new customer leads for companies, you know what your numbers are. And you can say, hey, JP, I want to grow the company by 1,000 new clients over the next 90 days or six months or whatever your number is. And I know that I can spend $50 for every lead because I know that I can spend up to $500 acquiring a new client. Well, then that's an investment because then you know that if I put $50 in 10 times, I've put $500 in and I've generated $5,000 worth of new sales or business. And that's like trading dimes for dollars. And I often say, if you had absolute certainty that every dollar that you were putting to work was going to generate a profit, whether in investing or investing in client acquisition, how often would you do it? And back in the day when I owned ad agencies, back in the 90s, people talked about an ad budget. They'd say, well, what is your advertising budget? And these days, when I have somebody ask me, what is your advertising budget? I say, I don't have an advertising budget because... If I'm getting customers or clients at a profit, is there a cap? Would you ever put a limit on how much you would be willing to invest? So it's not a matter of a budget. It's a matter of here's where we want to grow to, and here's how much we're willing to spend to get there. And we're going to do that as fast as humanly possible. And so looking, looking at client acquisition as an investment and as a business owner, doing it on a consistent and regular basis, whether you're running your own ads, whether you have somebody running your advertising and marketing, or whether you're going to a company like our company, Harbor City Digital Ventures, and you're having that company just generate leads, 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 leads at a fixed cost. Either way, however you're doing it, look at it as an investment. And in fact, probably the biggest and best investment you can ever make in your business because it's going to bring back, bring back, bring back. And one way I often look at it is I say it's kind of like putting money in a bucket in a well and dropping that bucket down in that well and it coming back with more. So think about it in the terms we just talked about. So if it's like a, a 10 to 1 ratio, if you put a dollar in a bucket and dropped it down in the well and then you pulled the bucket back up and there was a $10 bill in there, you go, hmm, that was kind of, I wonder if that would happen again. You put a dollar in, you drop it down, it comes back up, another $10 bill. Now you're seeing a pattern. How often would you do that? Right? And I've had guys say, I'd outsource it or I'd automate it, right? So I would have somebody else dropping the dollar down and bringing it back, dropping it down and bringing it back. But however you do that in your business, advertising and marketing, converting those dollars into new business is the best investment that you can make. 
Now, I see a lot of entrepreneurs know, you know, obviously that fail at that, and then they go, oh, well, advertising didn't work, or it doesn't work in my industry, or Facebook doesn't work for my industry, or LinkedIn doesn't work for my industry, and you hear that all the time. And the fact is, is if you have an audience with a pain, and that pain is so frustrating that they're willing to trade dollars in order to get a solution or to fix that pain, and you can reach them, then it'll work. You just have to have the formula right. And that's one of the things, I think it'd be great maybe in a future video for us to break down that whole idea of how do you come up with what is the right number and then how do you put those dollars, whatever that amount of money is, how do you put those dollars to work in getting new clients? But it certainly is an investment. And one of the biggest mistakes I see entrepreneurs make is looking at advertising and marketing as an expense not as an investment, and that's the critical key. It's not an expense. An expense is I gotta turn on the lights, and at the end of the day, we're gonna turn the lights off, and then at the end of the month, I'm gonna pay that bill. That's an expense. An investment is I'm gonna put some dollars in, and those dollars are gonna come back with more dollars with them, and that's what advertising and marketing and client acquisition, or investing in client acquisition, is really all about. So the second mistake is starting with a clever idea and not starting with the market or with the market's problem first. Uh, I was talking actually with uh, Chief Video Meister Jesse here at Harbor City, and he was talking about it. He said, I drive down the road sometimes and I'm looking at like, what were they thinking? You know, at businesses that people are starting, they're popping up everywhere. It's very popular, very, um, what's the word, trendy to be an entrepreneur these days. Like there were... I, I mean, you may not remember this, but like there were times in gone, gone by when the word entrepreneur really wasn't thought of as like the thing to do. If you didn't go out and get a degree and get a job and go to work and have a career, you were like considered as really flying risky, right? You know, so entrepreneurship has just in the last maybe decade really come into vogue. And now there are a lot of people, in fact, think about you know, so Bill Gates abandoned college, right? And then Mark Zuckerberg abandoned college. And there's been, you know, plenty of stories of these guys that left college, didn't finish, and went and started a business, and it became. And so I think it's becoming more accepted. And I think that's great because I think being an entrepreneur is a great thing. It's not for everybody, but it's, it's a great thing. If it's for you, then go for it. But a lot of people don't know where to start. And so they start with a clever idea. They start with something, they sit around and they go, hmm, that would be really interesting, or that would be fun, or that would be popular, or whatever. And that's where they start the business. They go out and they cash in their 401k, or they borrow money, or they get an investor or something, and they set up this business. And then they look around and they're like, well, now I need to get some customers. And a lot of times, in fact, they've spent all their money creating the product, filing a patent, setting up the structure, hiring people, buying equipment, all these different things, and yet they have no money left for acquiring customers. One of the other mistakes we talked about. But let's say that they finally do get it set up and they have money. Yeah, so they look up and they're trying to figure out where to spend their advertising dollars. And how do you know where to spend your advertising dollars if you haven't started with the market, if you've started with a clever idea? I often liken it to you know, going out into a field and you decide you're gonna get into archery and you have the bow and you have the arrows and somebody walks up to you and they said, well, okay, so now what I want you to do is hit the target. And you like look around in the field and there's no target. And they're like, 
will hit the target and you're like, well, I don't know where to shoot, you know? And they're like, well, just shoot out there anyway. Maybe you'll hit something. And that's how a lot of people treat their marketing is they haven't clearly defined the target. They got the product, the arrow, right? Or the marketing and the advertising and they've got money. So they got the strength to pull the bow back, but they don't know where to aim. And so you have to define the target audience first or else none of the rest of it matters. Um, you can literally go out there and fire arrows into a field all day long and never hit anything. And there actually might be a target out there. So somebody could have created a product and there really might be an audience because they sort of had a, an intuition or a, a, a gut feeling about it. And eventually they might hit it, but it's a whole lot easier, less costly and, and less painful to first go out there and say, there's the audience. Now, what's the right bow that's gonna get the arrow there? What's the best arrow? Or maybe your gun is better, right? Or a hatchet. <laughs> I was in Seattle the other day and a bunch of guys that I was with went and, and threw axes. So it, it, it's absolutely vital that you at least first figure out the target and figure, you know, and, and what's crazy is, you know, starting with the idea, you actually may create something that is appealing to you, but has no appeal to the market that, you know, could, could actually not be something that the market wants. I often say never create a product or service that people don't want to buy. Like figure out what they want to buy, what the solution is first. And, you know, a lot of times the most successful products and services are things that are really mundane. Um, I remember like one of the wealthiest families down in, in the South Florida town, they make bolts, nuts and bolts, like literally nuts and bolts, fasteners. And that's what their, their whole business model is. And I know another guy that rents out storage containers and, you know, like railroad car storage containers. So it's like, there, there's some of these things that are not going to be maybe like the thing you would talk about over cocktails and it's not going to be super sexy and exciting, but it makes a lot of money. And the business that you don't, that you go in doesn't have to be boring. But I guarantee you, it has to solve a problem. It has to solve a problem for an existing group of people that have a problem that's so big and so frustrating that they're willing to exchange their dollars to get that, that solution, that product or that service. If you start there, you have a chance of succeeding. But I see so many business owners and entrepreneurs that start with a clever idea first and then look around and they're like, where can I find somebody to buy this? And that's a huge mistake. So one of the big and costly mistakes I see entrepreneurs and business owners make is not being willing to change directions or pivot away from something that's not working. And, you know, I've been building companies now for almost 30 years, and I can tell you, not every idea that we come up with, not every solution that we create, even if we look at the market and go, this is spot on, it's going to solve their problem, they're going to wake up at night so happy and excited, Jay just can't wait to find me, right? and still fall on its face, just like that. I remember hearing an interview or seeing an interview with Elon Musk from Tesla, SpaceX, et cetera, and he said so many great businesses, including Tesla, were founded on failed assumptions. So two failed, and he specifically went on to say that Tesla was founded on two failed assumptions. One was they could build on an existing car frame, so they tried to build on the uh, Lotus, frame. 
turned out that they'd have been better off starting from the ground up and building their own instead of trying to retrofit. So that was one failed assumption. And another was a failed assumption around the cost of batteries. And his point was is that what all of us as entrepreneurs and business owners face is that you go out there with an assumption of what you think is going to work and you have to fight like it's going to work, right? You have to go and give it time to get some traction. But then you have to be willing to admit when it's not working. And like there are all these cutesy little memes that you see on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff. It talks about never quit, never give up and all that. And I've put some of them out myself. But the fact is, like in the trenches, the fact is there are times when quitting or changing directions makes sense. And not changing directions or not quitting is a guaranteed formula for long-term failure. And so you have to be willing to pivot. Sometimes it can be really soft, simple, easy pivots like, okay, we were going after this group of people and we were going after this age group of men and women and we realized as we got into it that only women were the ones that were making the ultimate decisions about this product or service. So we need to put all of our marketing and ad dollars towards the female audience. So that can be a soft pivot, but there can be times when you go out and you create a product and a service and you think that it's right and you do all the all the things right all the marketing and you create the messaging and everything and you're targeting and you're going after them and they're just not responding and so there are some things i guess we could talk about that at some point uh, that you can do to mitigate against that that risk in other words don't build the empire state building before you figure out if anybody wants to run an office in it you know so like don't go all in. Try to find ways to figure out if somebody will give you a dollar, you know, like buy that product or make a commitment to it or something like that. So there's some things that you can do. I think we should deep dive into that at some point. But for sure, be willing whenever the writing is on the wall and you've tried all of the logical pieces and it's just not working, be willing to look at, am I missing something? Is there is there a different direction? Is there a slight shift? I've heard people talk about the, the analogy of, you know, like if you're going to the moon and you're just like off by one or two degrees or whatever, you just completely miss it by the time you get there. And so in business, it can be like that. You, you have to constantly be willing to adjust and make changes. And those who aren't, are they're like the, the road is littered with them up and down the road of entrepreneurship is that they weren't willing to shift to ad adapt and a lot of times it's our ego like we're afraid of being embarrassed because we went and told everybody that this was the greatest thing since sliced bread and now we got to admit to ourselves and admit, admit to others that okay my assumption was wrong i got to make some changes i got to adjust being willing to do that is one of the, one of the traits of great entrepreneurs and, and not being willing to make those shifts is a surefire way to fail Another big costly mistake I see entrepreneurs or business owners making is not speaking your market's language. So like you can get a lot of things right. You can produce a great product, a great solution to a problem. You can think about the market first, start with their pain, work your way backward, do all that stuff right. And then when you actually go out there to do the marketing, put together landing pages, put together advertisements, brochures, marketing, all that kind of stuff, missing it in terms of message can cost you everything. It can be the difference between failure and success. 
And, and we'll talk about, in fact, I think a good add-on to that is thinking about testing in terms of messages. But let's back up just a little bit. This is a principle that I learned years ago. It's that good marketing enters the conversation going on in the mind of the prospect. So what does that mean? It means you have to know what your market's thinking in order to craft a marketing message that will resonate with them. So a lot of us have made the mistake of thinking that we're the market. As entrepreneurs, sometimes we are the market. We created a product or service around our own problems and then discovered that other people wanted to buy it. That's different. But if your audience, your true buyer, is not you, and you've done your job of creating a profile of who they are, what the problems, frustrations are, et cetera, then you also need to know how do they articulate that problem to themselves. What is it that they say to themselves about that? What do they tell other people about that problem or frustration? What words do they use? Because when you can get that and then put that into your marketing, you become so much more powerful. Like one of the, the cool little tricks I've used, I do lots of webinars, and whenever I have people register for a webinar, a lot of times I'll put a little extra field there and I'll say, what are your toughest, most burning questions about, and then whatever the topic is. So if I were doing a webinar, let's say, on increasing your sales in your business, I would say, what is your biggest, most burning question about how to increase sales in your business? And uh, you know, they might say, you know, how to get sales, how to get quality salespeople, or how to 